Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I am Luke Owen, DAD, and I'm joined by the hardest working person in all of sports infotainment, Denise Salcedo. Denise, I have missed you a lot. I know it's been like decades. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we were very like continuously doing the shows together. And then we just like had a very like long period where we didn't. And then we got back on board. And then again, you just like went off and did God knows what. And now, and I was like literally doing shows with somebody different every week. I know. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. I abandoned you. Like, let's, let's, you know, just let's put it out there. I, I, I dropped the ball and I abandoned you. However, I, I mean, I am off next week because I'm on holiday. But when I am back, Denise, I will do, I, I haven't got any other Fridays planned off. So you and I have got a whole string of shows together until you are off to do whatever pay-per-view you're going to go do say, next. I think <laughs> I have a couple of Fridays that I might not be here. <laughs> I know they're there. <laughs> well, we'll work it out. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, we've got a big old show today because we're interviewing AEW's QT Marshall. And we were also joined in the chat for a very brief moment in time by MJF. So it was a good fun time. Also, my audio is a little bit uh, wonk at the start of this, but it does get improved very, very quickly because I realized I had the wrong microphone plugged in. Uh, enjoy the show. Here it is. How's it going, Denise? I'm doing pretty great. Great to see you back here on the show. I was missing you the last couple of weeks. I know. And it's so, it, isn't it sad that I'm going to be off for yet another week, which means it's one another week without Team Danuk. You're just a very busy person. I can't keep up with your schedule, Luke. I know. When you see me, I'm interviewing Bianca Belair. I'm interviewing the Street Profits. I'm just taking days off work. And now I'm back here to chat with you. Um, I love it. But we've got a very cool show today because it's not just the two of us, is it, Denise Alcedo? We are joined by AEW's QT Marshall. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Very, very well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. Of all the shirts that you had, that's the one you chose to wear today. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I see how this is going to be. So, all right. I'm ready for it. Gloves are off. There are times when you just have to represent some of the top talents in AEW. Sure. And no, some I understand. Of the factory shirts were all sold out. I get it. They're very hard to get hold of on AEW. Yeah, I know. Gogo's a big star, you know. <laughs> Uh, thank you to everyone who has just pointed out I was on the wrong microphone. Uh, no one pointed it out to me before we went live. So that's why we've got our wonderful live audience here to point this out to me. Um, QT, thank you for joining us today. Let's talk about the Nightmare Factory. Let's talk about your training school. How have things been going there? Great. I mean, uh, you know, it's a, for me, it's a dream come true. Uh, it's kind of the, the story of how my life has been for the past couple of years. Um, you know, I, I moved down to Georgia with my wife in 2017 with the idea that we were just going to open up the greatest wrestling facility in the world. And slowly but surely, it's kind of becoming that, uh, you know, from from the amount of success that some of our athletes have had to, um, you know, the, the money that it generates. <laughs> I mean, all across the board, it kind of really is has become like the best wrestling facility out there. So. Because you did a lot of filming down there. At the start of the pandemic, you were using it to film Dynamites. Like, yeah. How was that, like sort of setting that up and doing all those deals and getting everything into place for that? Yeah, I mean, you know, our, our amazing team, Raphael Morphy and um, our production staff, they really handled all of that stuff. I was just the, hey, this this is an option if we need it. And we did need it. And they were able to just, you know, remove. I mean, we had to break down all of our rings and put them all on the other side of the building and stuff like that. But I mean in the one day that they transformed that whole entire building. I mean, it looked amazing to the point where, you know, I went out and spent about good 20, $30,000 of my money to kind of create something similar for our, for our students. So at the end of their 12 week camps, they can have their showcase and, um, you know, give them a little arena. So it was pretty cool. You know, it's definitely something that, you know, to, to know that I was able to help the company in the time of need. Um, you know, I think that's something that they'll never forget. And, uh, you know, it was just a really cool time and a, a really cool time for the nightmare factory in a really terrible time for the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of a blessing in disguise. I feel like that's one of the things that we've had, like during like the COVID pandemic where it's like things that have been terrible have somehow helped out other things. And I kind of see that with the, you know, with that. So I do want to talk about, I want to ask you in terms of the nightmare factory, it's like, you talk about, you know, getting it started in 2017. And then obviously, you know, the birth of AEW and kind of collaborating with that. How has the nightmare factory gone from like what you originally envisioned to like what it is now? Like what has the growth been like? Um, yeah. I mean, it was one ring. <laughs> now we, I mean, I just bought two more. We have seven total. Uh, not that we need seven. I'm just like a, a ring collector. It's weird. I have a weird, you know, I just want to take over the world when it comes to professional wrestling schools. Uh, no, you know, it's just like I said, just from, you know, having one ring and, a, and an idea to, to what it's become with our strength and conditioning program, our nutrition program, just everything that I always wanted. Um, you know, when the WWE opened up a performance center back in 2013 and I was unable to take part and be there, uh, you know, sometimes you're not invited to sit at the table. So you just make your own table. And that's really what I decided to do. And, you know, I took some of their ideologies. Um, but, you know, obviously there's major differences between the two of ours. And, and like I said, I mean, AEW really trust me as a trainer to, you know, help some of the younger talent if they need it um, or fresh right out off, you know, from a different sport or something like that. We aren't affiliated with AEW. So like, you know, that obviously gives our athletes an opportunity to go work for other companies and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, and, and I really like that. Um, 
not to say like, because we don't really have a developmental program, right? Like that's why we have all those other outlets between dark and elevation and stuff like that to give people, because you can learn your fundamentals in a wrestling facility, but you can't learn how to wrestle without actually wrestling. Um, and I'm not in the business of running wrestling events. I don't want to do that. Um, I help do that with AEW. <laughs> so like, there's, you know, I don't have time to just run local, you know, Wednesday night uh, events or, you know, Thursday night events or Friday, whatever it is. So for me, I'm just there to teach the fundamentals and then tell everyone, hope, hey, go out there and wrestle, you know. And then I think having that bridge between us and AEW really has helped, obviously, with, uh, you know, the success of the facility. But, you know, there's stuff in our paperwork that says, like, just because you come here does not mean that you're going to get a chance at AEW. Um, but if you work hard and you do the right things, of course, I mean, it's not going to it's only going to help us to get you out there. And obviously, you know, um, our dream is to have you fulfill your dream. So. You know, it's only going to help us to do that. When you had the the TV production crew down there for Dynamite, um, were you set up for that kind of thing before then? And have you kind of kept some of that around? Because I'd imagine for students going down there, like what they used to say about the performance center as well, is that like you can learn in the ring and everything, but you've also got to learn where the cameras are positioned and things like that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we really try to, um, we do a student showcase and then some of our nighttime, like, out of the camp people, the people that have graduated and stuff, they run their own events like once a month, twice a month. Um, and we just use the campers as audience members. Like we just, you know, we don't open it to the public. It's just for practice, but it's for practice. We have production doing their stuff, uh, obviously on a much, much, much smaller scale. But then I have people that have trained with us that maybe either got injured. So if somebody's injured, like they're going to be working the, the camera switcher, if, you know, it's just a way to you never know. Right. Like I got my foot in the door as an assistant writing emails. Thank God there's Google. And I was able to look up how to write a professional email because I'm a wrestler. You know what I mean? Um, but I was able to keep my job. And, and you know, obviously I excelled right away because of my passion for professional wrestling. And just because you know, you're not going to make it in the ring doesn't mean you can't have a job in the profession, you know? And I think that's something that if you teach that and people understand that um, also like a career is, is only so long in the ring, you know, you, you might want to have that, that stuff. If you want to continue to be in the wrestling industry after you're done. Exactly. Um, on the subject of some of your students. Now I have worn the t-shirts sure. and, and I'm, and I'm not going to say that it wasn't intentional um but hook is a guy that has he took twitter by storm but without even doing anything just sort of like by standing around the ring and all like you know the send hook uh, memes and everything like that and then he stepped into the ring and people were like oh oh dang like he's actually real good as well like it's not just like a, a meme now he is like sure. legit like he's like feels like a legit star like how have you found the rise of Hook and, and the popularity of Hook? Well, I think it was, you know, it's crazy if anyone says that nothing is done by design. And that's what professional wrestling is. You're able to do whatever you want. <laughs> so, like, you know what I mean? Like one day, uh, person X can be, you know, losing in a minute and a half. And then six weeks later, they have a different haircut and then they're the biggest star in the world. Right. It, it's just you know, that's the option that we have. Um, so to take a young talent like Hook, who was gaining the popularity before he even stepped in the ring, and then to, to kind of let him go out there and see what he could do, and he was able to hang. I mean, the fans are, you know, as rabid as they can be, they're also, you know, they, they want to see everyone succeed, right? So like, you know, I think he's, he's doing really well. I don't really love his attitude too much. Uh, 
And I mean, that's as real as it gets. I mean, sweatpants to TV, a hoodie. There's no, there's no collared shirt. I mean, he is exactly what you see. And uh, it's not what I taught him, but you know, I, watch rampage tonight. We'll see. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to try to have a, another chat with him because uh, I'm not really happy about the way he's, you know, kind of disrespecting everything that I tried to teach and what I try to instill in all the athletes from the nightmare factory. So in regards to that and, you know, the Nightmare Factory and Hook, at what point did you realize, like, okay, Hook is going to be more than just a guy. He's going to go in there and he's going to essentially, like Luke mentioned, take people by storm and essentially get over just with the mention of his name. Like, what was it about him that you saw that said, like, dang, this kid's going to be something someday? Uh, I think it was, you know, pretty early because of of how unique he is, right? And then when you actually look at – the, uh, you know, the way he is, let's put it like the, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for His vibe. Uh, the vibe, but like just the whole presentation of who he is. There you go. The presentation, the whole presentation of who he is, is so different. It's so outside the box, um, from the entrance the music, the way, you know, he doesn't even get to the middle of the ring. He just sits on the, like leans on the turn, but like, there's just so many things that are, are different and that's what the fans want, right? The whole time AEW, uh, had started, everyone said, we need an alternative. We need an alternative. And he's giving you an alternative to every, you know, compared to every other wrestler out there. So, you know, I think it was pretty early just by his look. Um, he has a very, very unique, you know, young, good looking. I mean, he's like, you know, at first I was like, oh, look at this kid, you know, but he's become a man in the past year. Um, and, you know, right in front of our eyes. And it was kind of like, he took his hoodie off one time and you see his muscle, you know, Oh, okay. Like, all right, this isn't just like this little, you know, skinny kid in a hoodie. You know what I mean? You're like, and he's, a, I mean, he's a college athlete and that's something that no one ever really spoke about, but I mean, a collegiate level athlete, uh, division one, I mean, no matter, you know, um, whether you're a national champion or not, like you're a division one athlete. So I, I kind of knew right away, which is why, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, not willing to teach uh, because it, it is something that like, if somebody asked me, I'm, I'm pretty honest right away. Like, Hey, this guy's not going to, you know, or at least he's not taking it seriously. And that's the thing. He took it very seriously from the beginning. And I think if you do that, you know, the, the sky's the limit. You say that he took things seriously, just not the advice to not wear sweatpants and a hoodie when you, yeah, I mean, you know, I no, he was fine up until, you know, he got a little bit of success. Uh, <laughs> You know, I mean, he's young and, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we we live in a very entitled environment. Um, I mean, half the AEW roster are kids. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean kids. I mean, they're under 25. They've never had an actual corporate job before. And they're just going right into this humongous world where they're on TV and they're out in the public and all this stuff. And, you know, I mean, thank God a lot of our guys are able to handle it because, I mean, I know when I was 24, 25, if I had that kind of success, uh, man, I would have been in a lot of trouble. Thank God Twitter wasn't as big. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, man. I, I've, I've had this conversation with people before. It's like, I, yeah. I don't think I would have liked 24-year-old me. If I had 24-year-old no, me with not. a bit of success, I'd have been even worse. It's mm -hmm. terrifying. Like, whatever year, like, whatever photos, whatever videos are going to live on the internet forever. So I think I definitely agree with you guys on that end, too. Uh, do, given that there are a lot of guys, you know, young talents, you know, in AEW, do you ever give them, like, advice when it comes to that? Or is there anything where you guys talk to the talent in regards to that? Yeah. I mean, not me personally. Uh, that's not something that I would 
I try to stay in my lane as much as I can. But yeah, we have an amazing team back that's back of house that really, you know, they go above and beyond to, um, you know, send us emails, updates, you know, just to, to make sure that everyone's on the same page that we don't, you know, uh, get ourselves in trouble or anything like that. Right. I mean, because again, we are dealing with um, a very sensitive environment out there. Um, and what you might perceive is just a little joke can turn into your whole career. So Again, it's just one of those things that thank goodness that we have our media training and all of that stuff that really goes a long way in, in, uh, in AEW. Um, and I just think overall. So, you know, like I said, it, it's trial by error sometimes. Um, but at the end of the day, I know we also really try to go above and beyond to hire great people. Um, whereas sometimes maybe the wrestling does isn't the greatest with certain people, certain talents because they're still learning but they're good people and eventually the wrestling will get better. So it's just one of those things. Right. And that's kind of the way we operate at the facility too. Like I can teach you how to wrestle. I can't really teach you how to be a better human being. So if you're not a good human being, it's going to be a little harder for me, uh, you know, to put my neck on the line for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Speaking of rising stars and amazing human beings, Jade Cargill has been on a test and she came in, you know, you want to talk about something like a Kurt Angle level, like 
year-long run. She's undefeated. She has been proven to be a legitimate ratings draw for AEW in sort of like demographics and overall total viewers and things like that. Is there is it a sense of pride uh, in, in terms of Cargill's success, or like it, what do you, what have you made of, of it? So Jade is a uh, Jade had trained over at another facility, right? Originally, just you know, learning her basics and stuff like that. And then when I spoke to the you know, her trainer, the owner, you know, he was basically saying like, oh, Jade's never going to wrestle before TV. And I was like, okay, well, it's going to be kind of hard to do that, but sure. Whatever you say, man, like, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what I, my true opinion is uh, because it's not, it's not, she's not mine. But then when AEW hired her and then, you know, Tony had asked me, Hey, do you mind getting in there with her rolling around with her kind of seeing how she is? And I told him, you know, hey, hire her. She's somebody that you could definitely hire. She's She's got something. She's tough more than anything. I mean, I was bumping her around pretty hard uh, because at the end of the day, like, hey, if my rings are pretty soft compared to the AEW ring. So, um, you know, if you can't handle training, there's no way you're going to be able to do this on the road, traveling, all the stuff that goes with it. But, uh, no, she's a natural. Again, one of those things that the wrestling is only going to get better. Um, she's not out there working indie shows all the time. So it's going to take a little longer. There's going to be mistakes, but people will pay money to see her. And that's all that matters. Cause that's the business that we're in. We're not in the business of how good is her work. And anyone that says that that's what really matters, just listen to the live audience. You know what I mean? Like when she comes out, how do they react? You know, um, no one's sitting there taking notes as she's wrestling. And if they are, that's not the fan that you're really trying to, um, you know, entertain anyway. So that might be the person that has a podcast that has a, you know, a newsletter or something like that. And that's great. Hey, cool. You know, by all means. But I think we're really trying to gain the mass audience, uh, you know, and, and, and grow our company. So someone like that, that when you see her on the street or I mean, like we were just on the airplane flying home to Atlanta together the other day. Uh, yesterday she was sitting. I was, you know, seat C. She was a and when she got up, I mean, the whole airplane, like, you know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> Like, what's going on here? And then you realize like, yeah, she just doesn't look like the norm. Right. So um, that goes a, a really long way, especially in this industry. And I was about to ask you, like, how do you work around that? Because you mentioned, obviously, that she's not going out there and, you know, uh, doing indies and, you know, getting all the reps that your traditional wrestler goes through and going through all of the routes. So obviously, when she goes into the ring, there are going to be people that, you know, point certain things out and whatnot. Right. So in terms and you kind of already mentioned, you know, her look, which we all see. But uh, how do you work around that in terms of like, hey, go out there, you know, have this match? Like, what are some of the things that like you have uh, worked with her in terms of like, for that and also what would you say has been like the biggest growth that you have seen in Jade's uh in-ring performance from when she first started working with you specifically and now where she's at where you know hey she's holding the TBS championship yeah I mean I think just confidence overall and that just again with time your confidence will always grow uh also make mistakes it's the only way you're going to learn is by making the mistakes right um but you know her going out there and when we're training, for instance, like you'll hear this a lot in wrestling, less is more. And it's true. Um, no one's counting how many moves you're doing. No one's counting how many strikes you're throwing. And the more you do, the more just the odds are that you're going to mess something up. So if you don't do as much and you make it mean more, and these are just traditional training techniques. Now, when you're at the level of the Young Bucks pack, these guys, the Lucha Brothers, yeah, now you can do a lot of stuff because you've been doing it so many times, it's muscle memory. You're able, you don't have to remember, okay, 
how do I jump from the rope to the middle rope back to the top rope? Like he's done it so many times. But if I tried it, you'd be watching me think how to do it. And sometimes when Jade's out there, if if she's trying to remember too much or she's really in her own head, that's going to really that's going to show um, the inexperience. So if you mask that by doing less and just having the confidence of looking like a star and acting like a star, you can really get away with a lot in the wrestling industry. And I mean, you know. I'm not going to compare her. I don't want to compare her to like ultimate warrior, these people, but like those are people that made a lot of money doing a, a lot less in the ring. And everyone could say what they want about their rate work or their work rate. But I'm, I was just watching before. And when the ultimate warriors music hit, that place went through the roof. And I think there's uh, anyone in the world in, of professional wrestling would give anything for their music to hit in the place act like that so again it's just one of those things that you have to stick to your strengths and again because it's wrestling we get to choose those things so if you're you know i always relate it to baseball if i'm a pitcher and i don't have a really good knuckleball i'm not going to go into the world series and throw a knuckleball i'm just not going to do it you know what i mean so i think that goes a long way and um again with wrestling you'd say it's something that we're able to dictate what we want to do um, you mentioned uh, that you, Tony asked you to get in the ring and bump around with Jade. Has he asked you to do that with anyone else? And, and if so, like, who has been your favorite person to just get in the ring with that you've never been in there before and just start bumping around with and kind of working out with? Yeah, I mean, yeah, anytime. Uh, so it's weird. There was a little in the beginning of 2021 when we were setting up for uh, the feud with Cody. He had given me like a little bit of a run on dark where I was just winning. Right. But most of the guys I was wrestling uh, were guys that we wanted to look at. And there's no better way for me to look at somebody than just get in the ring with them. Um, so, you know, like JJ Garrett was one on the Indies, uh, you know, GCW guy, you know, Captain Sean Dean, right? Like he was somebody that was like, hey, let's test them out, get in there with them. Let's see how it goes. It gives you a good win, right? Like it's not bad to beat another guy. Also, though, like see what we could do with these guys. So, um, Satnam Singh was another one that we brought him to TV. Is like, hey, do you mind getting in the ring? This guy's 7'3". What do you want me to do with him? But at the end of the day, you know, I just got to really it's more or less like gauging what kind of person they are. Right. And then if they have two left feet or not, and then can they be trained? Are they willing to do it? Um, you know, again, bump them a couple of times, see how much they're really. It's all fun and games until you whack your head on the mat. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, uh, but yeah, Satnam's probably another one that, like I said, a go-go, you know, when DDP brought him over, you know, he got right in the ring. We ran a spot, a tackle drop-down spot in like 10 minutes of being in the ring of just explaining what it was. And he was another natural. So, you know, like I said, I have no, uh, no shame getting in there with anybody um, as long as they don't hurt me, you know. Um, I mean, someone's just brought it up into the chat then, uh, and I didn't want to ask about this, and we're not going to dwell on other, uh, you know, parts of this news. But Cody did say that he wanted to give Jade the Cody beta, you mm -hmm. know, as like as part of our entrance. That has got to be like amazing for someone who has, you know, less than a year, like really sort of in ring, you know, what, 28 matches or whatever it is on TV to have like, you know, a guy of that stature to be like, she should have the biggest entrance. Yeah, right? because she is a star. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, I think that was something that uh, I didn't see it. Uh, I guess he put it in there in the, in in the state, press release. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I I read it, but I didn't realize uh, what it meant. You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, like that's something I'm sure. Had he not said that, there would be a whole locker room fighting over it. Um, <laughs> but that does, you know, 
I think if somebody was going to get it, that's somebody that, you know, could have one because it, it does. It gives that presentation of, hey, look at this person. Like this person is special. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm glad for her. Did she use it on uh, Wednesday? She no, hasn't used yet. it yet. No. OK. OK. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. Um, you know, I was there with her backstage and then someone pulled me aside just right before her entrance. So and I haven't watched the show back yet. So, I mean, I watched her match, but from, a, you know, as soon as I like ran away, I started watching it on the monitor, but I didn't get to see the entrance. So, um, You talk about like, you know, bumping with people that, you know, you've got to try them out, see what they're like. You were, I, I believe you were instrumental in the training of Shaq for his yeah. AEW match. Yeah. Like, so Shaq has done a few things in wrestling before. Like he did some stuff with WWE, um, working with Paul White. Um but we never, you know, it, was, it took us a while to get to sort of that point. What was it like getting in the ring with Shaquille O'Neal and being like, okay, what do we do next? Yeah, I mean, it was just, he came to the school. I asked him when he was going to get in the ring and do this. He said, I, I don't think I could do that. I said, I could teach you in 10 days. And he said, what? I said, yep, I can teach you in 10, 10 sessions. I can get you ready for a match. You have to put the work in, but we can do it. He was like, all right, here's the days I'm available. Here's my assistant, yada, yada, yada. I'm always going to show up around midnight. Uh, so, you know, hopefully you don't enjoy sleeping. And uh, yeah, and we trained. And, you know, the first day what happened was um, I suplexed him on the crash pad. And then he asked me to remove the crash pad. And I did. And, you know, he took the bump and he realized, okay, I, I can do this. So and that's kind of how it went. So uh, it was real weird. It was just like I was just throwing it out there to see, you know, what his interest level was. Then I remember going to Tony like, hey, I think he wants to do this. Like, really? I was like, yeah. I was like, he just doesn't want to deal with anyone. He just wants to deal with me for whatever reason. So I had to be like his PR person, everything. It was uh, it was nuts, but it was really cool. It was something that I thought was pretty special. And it really set Jade up for success to be in such a high profile match in her first in her first match ever. And that's what it was designed for. Um, anyone can talk about they didn't like the the story getting there, who gives a crap? You know what I mean? The whole idea was to put Jade out there in a in a high-profile match to show right from the beginning that this person is someone that we perceive as a superstar. Um, and I thought we did our job that way. What was the most surprising thing about working with Shaq? Um, how dedicated he was, honestly. For somebody that has as much worth as, he's, uh, as he does um, – just everything like the, the idea that he was that dedicated. He wanted to learn. He didn't want to disrespect professional wrestling. I remember I talked to him about ring gear. He just laughed at me. He's like, I'm just going to wear a tank top and sweatpants. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I'm not going to dress up like a wrestler. I'm not a wrestler. I was like, okay. He's like, sure. I'm not going to argue with you because you'll rip my head off. So, you know, whatever, whatever you feel, you know, and then it was his, a lot of the stuff in the match were his ideas. I mean, he wanted to pay tribute to Brody Lee. He wanted, so I had to teach him a power bomb. Um, the tables he wanted to go through the table. I mean, he just had these all of these ideas that he wanted to do. And I think he he just, you know, he was like, hey, if this is what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna go all out. I really want to give these fans a, an amazing show. And the only the only regret I think is that we weren't able to do it in front of a sold-out building. Um, because I think we if we could have, if we didn't want to get Jade out there, that would have been the only thing I think if we if we could change something that we would have. 
And here's the the interesting, sorry, the interesting thing about this though, is that you mentioned that this was designed to get Jade over, which it did. And obviously, you know, she's in a big profile match with, with Cody and Shaq and those people. But on top of that, you know, Red Velvet was also part of this. And I kind of felt like she sort of, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Were you guys, and you know, were you and the, you know, people in the back sort of surprised by how she came out also during that match? Um. So me personally, no, because a friend of mine is the one that introduced me to Red. Um, And then we started bringing her in during the pandemic. And she was always, you know, professional and she always did the job that we had asked. Um, She, again, another one has a very unique look um, on the the complete opposite side of of Jade, right? I mean, she's real small and, you know, fragile, but like she's tough, you know, and and, um, she was able to, like I said, you know, hold her ground to the point where then she was offered her contract and stuff like that. And I mean, obviously with Brandy getting pregnant, the plans changed a little bit for the match, but I, I thought that, you know, Red obviously held her ground and did a, an amazing job. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes you're just designed to be the person in there with the person. Um, and that doesn't, there's two ways to look at it. You could be very upset and oh, I can't believe I have to do this with that person. Or you could say, Hey, you know what? This person's on the, on, on the rise. I'm going to try to latch onto them and get this match in with them because a lot of eyes are going to be on it. And, and red understood the business of everything. And she did an amazing job as well. Uh, just lastly on the shack thing that, you know, you said that the, the big regret was not being able to do it in front of a sold out audience. Is there the option to now that we've got fans back, get Shaq back, get him in the ring again? Uh, you know, you, I never say never. I mean, I just bought a house in the same city as him. So you'll never say never, man. You know, we, we still stay in contact. So um, you mentioned Anthony Gogo earlier. Um, and actually, you talk about like, you know, Jade not being able to go up and do the indies and stuff. But we have recently just seen a Gogo being doing this because he's gone and done some work with Progress uh, here in the UK. Um, and, you know, he's been doing some stuff uh, still with Dark and Dark Elevation. Um, what did you? What have you made of Agogo's run within AEW? Because he came in, had the big profile stuff with Cody, which got like some mixed reviews from people uh, after the Cody promo and then the match itself. But what have you made of Agogo's run within AEW since coming in? I mean, he's done an amazing job for somebody that is as inexperienced as he is. Um, another one who came in, he trained hard. I mean, he's an Olympic athlete. There's no way he's not going to, you know, work hard at something to be successful. I think, you know, when he... After uh, we did our tag match, uh, him and I versus Cody and Lee, um, where I pinned Cody, by the way, um, you know, he had to go back home for a little while. And I think that kind of halted his momentum a little bit. Um, Now it's just about trying to get him back in the, you know, in the fold and all that stuff. And a lot of stuff happened, obviously, since then with the factory and kind of the way we were perceived and, you know, a lot of stuff. And that's just the way business works. so it's just a matter of, you know, again, getting him back in the fold and putting him in the right place. You know, you, you mentioned how there are a lot of people that didn't really love this storyline or angle that, um, you know, Anthony was Anthony was in with Cody. And I mean, again, listen to the live audience. I don't care what Twitter says. You know what I mean? Like Twitter can talk all they want, but the actual people that are watching the show uh, live making the noise, those are the people that really matter. And I think during the pandemic, we gave a little too much power to the people behind, you know, the keyboard. Um, they don't run the, you know, again, 80 people tweeting when there's a million watching, you know what I mean? Like that, that doesn't really matter to me. So, and I know that's not the popular opinion and everyone loves going on Twitter. Like I don't go on Twitter unless I have to tweet something for, for AEW. I just, I try to stay off of it. There's way too much negativity. Um, and again, I think, you know, Cody got a lot of blame for, 
the storyline. Um, for what? I don't know. I mean, sure, the promo, whatever, it's controversial. However you guys want to perceive it. Um, I thought he was cutting a passionate promo about his his life and, the, you know, and, and Anthony being this guy who hated America uh, because of what it stood for. I thought it was a pretty easy, simple storyline. Oh, well, you know, it's 2022. We can't go back into, okay, whatever, guys. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. So uh, I think, you know, Anthony held his own. Uh, his first big match was on pay-per-view. You know, they did a great job. Um, time was really constricted on that show, restricted because of people running long. They cut six minutes on the fly. So, again, no one knows these things because we're not going to promote them. You know what I mean? So the people that are home saying, oh, that match wasn't as good as it could have been and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're right. They probably could have went an extra six minutes. They didn't because Cody really thought about the whole show and it wasn't about Cody. So this is where, like, you know, my friendship with Cody, uh, I would never say it publicly until now just because of my friendship. People are going to say, well, of course he's going to say that. He's friends with him. No, I'm going to say it because he did the right thing. I was ringside and helping coach Anthony as the match was going on because I realized they were cutting down their entire match to make the show uh, hit our times. So, again, I thought he did a great job uh, and I think he'll continue to do a great job. And, you know, he's he's on pace to, you know, he's just a storyline away from really getting out there and becoming, you know, the successful professional wrestler that we hired. Um, quickly on your feud with Paul White, uh, the mm-hmm. Let's Do Allow match, you talk about sort of like matches getting cut because I believe that was also a match that got cut. I also heard there was a story of like, there was a, basically you would just, however much time we need between match A and match B, that's the match, that's the time you need to fill. So sure. was it just a case of like, you had time, go out there and fill the time and how, like, how do you then work that with Paul in the ring? Or is it literally just a case of before you go out being like, cool, let's just do this, this and this and we'll go and hit it. Yeah. So I don't know where anyone gets information from. I genuinely don't. Uh, and that's kind of where I'll keep that answer. Uh, we did what we were going to do no matter what, no matter how much time we had. Uh, I really don't know where all this information came from. If it was if it was from our side, okay, then that's the narrative somebody's going to tell. Um, I know I wrote the show with Tony. I wrote down the times that I had with Tony. Um, no one told us to go faster. No one told us to go slower. We just went out there and worked. With Paul – If he's going to get to the next spot, (laughs) I can't do anything about it because he's so big. I can't just rake him in the eyes and throw him to the outside of the ring. It's just not it's not feasible with someone his size. So, again, we didn't go any faster or slower than uh, we were going to go because somebody told us to. This is just the way he wanted to work. Um, I wasn't, you know, thrilled about it because I did push to get us a lot more time. And no one told us we couldn't go that much more time. So we just didn't. So again, like, and that's not, you know, I'm not mad at Paul for it, but, you know, I work my ass off to get on pay-per-view. So if I'm going to get on pay-per-view and get seven minutes, you know, or eight minutes with our entrances and a video package and all that stuff, I want to go the full eight minutes. So when I watch it back and see three minutes bell to bell like that, you know, it does bother me. Uh, But the narrative that people are pushing that we were told to do that, or we had to do that because it was the match after CM Punk, that's complete, you know, BS. Um, I don't know where that came from. And I know I saw Meltzer write something. So maybe he spoke to Tony and that's maybe that's the narrative somebody wanted to push because the match wasn't as uh, amazing as everyone thought it was going to be. I mean, really, on paper, what did you think it was going to be? <laughs> like, realistically, I mean, the whole lead up, he never touched me. So the moment he gets his hands on me, it should have been ding, 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 choke slam. Realistically, you know, um, I would have been OK with that, too. I don't give a crap. Like I'm doing the job that I'm asked to do. 
You know, um, the biggest thing is people were upset about that we were on pay-per-view. Well, who do you want Paul White to wrestle? You want him to beat Jungle Boy? You want him to beat one of the young talents that Dante Martin? Because I'm telling you, I would have loved to have him go out there and do that to one of those guys instead of me. But at the same time, from a company perspective, who's one of the only guys in the locker room that's okay being a heel that can go out there and get beat? And the internet, the Twitter universe is not going to go crazy over. You know what I mean? I'm probably that guy. Uh, So, you know, and I'm okay with that because, again, I don't read Twitter. So the only way I know these things is because other people come up to me and ask me questions about like, uh, how do you feel that your match wasn't perceived? I don't know. I, Paul was happy. I was happy. I was able to walk out of the arena without being put in a wheelchair. So, you know, for me, uh, I was okay with it. So uh, we've actually got a very special question that's just come in uh, from Fightful from Sean Rossap, who's just said, ask QT Marshall about the time he dropped his phone at the AEW scrum trying to throw it behind his back. Yeah, uh, I was probably in the that was probably when I was doing the Apple thing and I said I could throw it and I, you know, I just it's not round, you know, it's a cell phone, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, you had what you had a chance to ask a real question and that's the one you got, huh? Man. All right. Yeah. Well, well that, that's Sean for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he did also say that uh, the whole match should have just been you reacting to the tall pole chance, but that's Sean for you. Um <laughs> I wanted to ask you actually about the the influx of talent that we've had within AEW since you know All Out, like Danielson, Cole, uh, recently Danhausen, Keith Lee, uh, Brody King, and everything like that. Like, how have you found AEW's balance between bringing in new talent, but also using yeah the talent that you're developing for the future? Um, you know, it's just one of those things. There's only so much real estate. Uh, we, lost lost uh, we lost QT. we lost QT. Well, I blame Sean Give for that. Give him a second. Yeah, I was going to say the second we read that comment. <laughs> Am I back? Uh, sh- oh, he's back. He's oh, back. we got yeah. you back. We got That's you back. Right. I was going to say, I never lost you. I heard everything. Uh, <laughs> and it was his fault, 100%. My computer showed up and said, because of that dumb question, your computer's not going to work. Uh, no, so, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, there's only so much real estate on TV, but Tony does a really good job of, you know, putting backstage promos and vignettes and, and um, pre-tapes and all that stuff that can really get people out as many talents on the show as possible. So that's really what it's about. Um, and then between dark and elevation and stuff like that, it's just a matter of or factions, right? Everyone, oh, they have so many factions. Yeah, we have a lot of talent. We want to put them all on TV. So, you know, or we could just leave everyone backstage and put one-on-one matches and get five of them. Then you have 10 people on TV. You know, it's just one of those things. You can't please everybody. Um, And Tony wants to please the fans, but he also wants to please his employees. Um, You know, if if the travel list is is pretty, you know, heavy, he's going to try his best to get everyone out there in front of the live crowd. And that means – you know, eight matches on elevation, you know, six on dynamite, another four on rampage. I mean, it's a long night, but the last thing he wants to do is have someone show up and just sit backstage and do nothing. Yeah. With that being said, it's like you, you only have so much allotted time on dynamite and rampage, which are the, you know, the two flat, the the two main shows, right? So you're bringing all of these people into AEW, and there are a lot of criticisms. Uh, You know, again, we can bring up the Twitterverse. There are a lot of criticisms of people basically saying AEW is bringing in too many talent. Uh, It's too much. You know, a lot of people have that criticism. So with that being said, like, how do you sort of say like, hey, like, no, like this is uh, if you feel like what are the pros of all of these talents coming in and the AEW roster becoming uh, so much larger and expanding what kind of feels like now on a weekly 
you know, biweekly basis? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just better for everybody. It just creates more matches. You know, I think AEW really does a good job of not putting too many rematches out there um, unless they mean something. So having more talent just makes it easier to do that. Um, you say about the people complaining, every single person that becomes a free agent, somebody on Twitter posts, you have to sign them. So the same exact people that are complaining when we hire people are the ones that are pushing to get them hired. So again, you can't read into that stuff. Um, everyone, oh, you know, you don't need a guy like this. You don't need a girl like this. Okay. We lost QT for a second. Lost him again. That damn SRS. <laughs> we were we were cruising. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost going too well, Denise. That was the problem. Am I back? There he is. He's back. Yeah, we got you. I back. don't know what's going. I mean, I'm even plugged into the internet here, so uh, which it told me to do that, so that's why I did it. Um, but yeah, anyway, long story short, what I was saying is that you know uh we we gonna we're gonna get as many talents that are out there and we're gonna give them a chance and if our fans like them they're gonna stay and if they don't like them you know we don't hire everybody just because they're out on tv once doesn't mean that they're locked into a 10-year contract either um you know it's just about seeing how how our fans react and again the live audience is what matters you know what i mean it's not what the people say on twitter and I, like i said i think wrestlers in general and I know this because as soon as someone's done going and they come backstage, the first thing they do is get on their phone and look up Twitter. You don't need it. You literally are out there. <laughs> like the fans are out there and they're telling you how good you're doing. Um, they're by cheering or booing or, or this is awesome, all that stuff. Who cares what Rob 067495, you know, is, is telling you? Like who gives a crap about that person? It's one, it might not even be a real human being um, that that is actually watching the show. And two, you know what I mean? Like, again, just what we are taught is listen to the crowd with your ears. That's how you know how you're doing. So, um, you know, I think if there is a talent out there, it's on us to, you know, hopefully help them succeed. But on top of that, give them a chance. You know, I'm all for it. Can't wish away good talent. That's the one thing uh, that I was taught, you know, uh, by Cody. Can't wish away the good talent, man. If they're out there, you know. You just got to be better than them. It is what it is. Figure out how they've connected with the audience better than you and why they're going to be out there. Uh, and then do that. And if you can't do it, it is what it is, you know. We've got some questions in from our viewers. Um, we won't be keeping you too much longer. Uh, but okay. let's, go, let's go through some of these questions. Charles Berg has got a couple of questions for you. Um, what is something you would like to see AEW improve on in the coming year? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a hard one. I mean, of course, everything, right? Like, just, just everything. Um, but I think... You know, we've kind of found like what we're good at and we really try to stick to that. Um, I'm trying I, again, I don't really look into the criticisms, you know, I'm sure Tony does. And the, that's just not my job. So I couldn't tell you what like the biggest like let me ask you, you guys watch the show. Women's what's matches. one of the criticisms that you think we really have? Not enough women's matches. That's one okay. of the criticisms. So, yes. OK, so not enough women's matches. Uh, so if you look at the ratio of how many guys are on the roster compared to how many girls are on the roster, you want to talk about keeping it even, you have to keep it even, right? So like, how do you do that? If you have a hundred and something guys and 20 girls, 
how do you do it? You tell me, how do you mathematically do it and make it work, right? So I do think over time that'll happen. But also, like I said, we really have to stick to the ratio of, of male to females. Do we get rid of all the male wrestlers and hire a lot more females? Because then we have no option then to put more female talent out there, right? So it's just one of those things and, and we're doing it. And I know, you know, on Rampage, we try to get two, every now and then we'll try to get two female matches. A couple of weeks ago, we had two female matches on Dynamite. It's hard. There's only so much time on the show. So for everyone that says you could get more women's matches, I would say, how about all the guys that are backstage not wrestling? How come we don't use all of them? And why do we have to use the same talent? So it's you can't please everybody, right? And I think over time, maybe it'll it'll help. Um, you know, maybe we'll get better at it. Who knows? You know, I, I, that's not my decision. But at the end of the day, I think we really try to, if you're not wrestling, we do still try to get storylines going. I think we've been better at that between Layla, Statlander, um, you know, the Bunny and and you know, with Ty doing their storyline and stuff like that. So it is what it is. But like I said, I just look at pure numbers and maybe that's not the right answer. But to me, like that's the logical one of like, but you have this many males and this many females. So if you do the math, this is kind of how it's going to work out. Um, and like I said, maybe it's not the most popular answer, but I don't again, you can say male and female. I just say wrestler. I just look at wrestlers. Right. And everyone's like, oh, that's that's BS. He can't talk like that. Sure. OK, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, Charles also wants to know what lesson are you going to teach that disrespectful, not handsome hook? Uh, man, don't say he's not handsome. He's a handsome guy. Uh, you know, he's, yeah, <laughs> he's a handsome guy. Uh, but yeah, I'm just going to, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm going to tonight on Rampage. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I want him to come out here and, and thank me. Just thank me because the success is because of me. Um, and, you know, obviously his looks help, but the real success is because of me. So I'm going to, do my best to get him out there tonight and just, you know, extend my hand and just have him say thank you. And then, hey, we can let bygones be bygones. Uh, Luke Neal says, I cannot get enough of you, QT Marshall. I'm, Austra I'm from Australia and I just want to say I love watching you wrestle. We've got three dream matches, Omega versus John Cena, Omega versus Jay White and you versus Jay White. Well, well, I was about to say, if you don't mention me in any of those dream matches, <laughs> you really don't like me. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to wrestle Jay White. Uh, maybe I'll show up in New Japan pretty soon. Who knows? Uh, with the forbidden door, you never know. And I've never, I've never um, walked through it. So who knows? You know, I, that's something that I've known Jay a long time since he was on his excursion in Ring of Honor um, from the New Japan Dojo. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be, you know, lucky to get in there with him. But at the same time, you know, I think we could put on a pretty good match. Uh, also, uh, like that guy that asked the question, tell him to start tweeting at everybody that how how much he loves me because he's one of the only ones. So, uh, Matt said, out of the four options, as a wrestling promoter, should you be thoughtful of others, ruthless but still with a sense of ethical integrity, cutthroat, or um, with a strong desire to see success? A little bit of uh, all of them, right? Like, I mean, without you know, you can't be uh, a cold-hearted human being but also like no one likes the truth and business is business so like if you're not producing numbers it is what it is like that's the one thing that people are going to hate when i say it but for instance when i wrestled billy gunn on dynamite a week they advertised it you know um they had advertised it like the day before because we did a little angle on dark or something like that to set up the match and the whole night, it was just tagging me, and I can't believe we have to watch this match. You could give more time to the girls and this, that, and the other. And then the rating came out, and Billy Gunn had the highest rating on the show because Billy Gunn is an absolute megastar. So, again, 
business is business and people's opinions are opinions and we're running a business. And that doesn't mean that that's always going to be the answer. Uh, but at the end of the day, like that's the business that we're in. And again, if somebody's a megastar like Billy Gunn, again, you notice I didn't say it was because I was in the segment. <laughs> I'm very fortunate enough to pad the segments with people that are are big stars, right? Because I'm somebody that can work with them and stuff like that and and uh, all that stuff. So anyway, you know, I think it's just, again, business is business, you know? So you do have to have all of those qualities, um, but overall, just take care of your talent. That's the biggest thing. Take care of your employees, work with your employees and not through your employees. And Tony does a really good job of that. The whole Jaguars, you know, staff, that's just, you know, it's, it's we're very fortunate to, to work for the people that we work for. Now, according to some people in our chat currently, and including Sean, apparently MJF is currently watching this stream with us uh, and has nice. sent and has sent in a question for you that just says, sure. Yo QT, it's MJF. How the F have you still not watched my promo from this week's show? Yeah, because uh, I don't have to watch it because I, I read and I heard, I listened to the live audience and I know it was one of the greatest promos um, in a long time. Uh, it'll be right up there with Cody's promo. No, uh, you know, it's very <laughs> controversial, uh, you know, and, you know, and me being a fellow Jewish uh, professional wrestler uh, and hearing that story, it, it you know, it, it warmed, you know, it, it made me feel a certain way. And again, I think it's just one of those things that I will watch it when I have time. And, uh, you know, Max, I had to do this interview right now or else I was going to watch it. I had it loaded up and then my alarm went off and the interview had to start. Hey, Joe, I'll take the heat for that one. It's my There fault. you go. Yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> uh, Manuel said, uh, QT, you've um, talked about having the best resting facility. So I want to know what tools, extra things you have besides the ring that you think is the most important to develop wrestlers in these competitive times for business. Um, so we have our, you know, obviously we have our full gym. We have our strength and conditioning program, which is the same program that the NFL uses, the NFL alumni, which is, you know, obviously one of the, best performance uh, facility and strength and conditioning programs. On top of that, we have nutrition, um, just everything. Like I said, our promos, we do promo class once a week. So we just really try to make everyone the, the best all around professional wrestler you possibly can be. Um, you know, everyone's going to be good at certain things, but if you could be pretty good at all of them, it really helps your, your chance. And this is, you know, what I try to tell everybody, treat wrestling like school and you have all your different subjects, and the more A's you have, the better you're probably going to end up. Uh, Dan here says, I hope you're doing well. Thank you for providing us with the great entertainment uh, to distract us from what's going on in the world. I hope we can see AEW go to Germany in the future. We actually get this quite a few times when we've had AEW on the uh, AEW stars. Um, the touring outside of the US, uh, is that something that you're personally looking forward to should it happen? Yeah, my brother lives in Denmark, so I would love to be able to have him and his and my nephew come to a come to an event. And uh, yeah, I've only wrestled in in England once, you know. So like to be able to go over there would be great. I think you know timing is everything, and when we're able to do it, um, I know it's going to be great. So. Uh, and lastly, for now, Danny says, um, I'm genuinely impressed how you've built up the Nightmare Factory and congrats on all the success. And apologies if this is a little personal, but where do you get all of your bowling shirts from? <laughs> They're given to me. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, my wife bought the first one and I think she was doing that. So that way, no female ever in the world would want to uh, be attracted to me. But, you know, it, it, it stuck and people like them and um, or they hate them. And again, that's the business that we're in as long as they're 
on Twitter talking about them. Uh, that's really all I care about. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, once I started wearing them, I think, you know, people have been sending them to me left and right, family members. And so I don't know where we really get them from. I'm sure just online, honestly, <laughs> you know, you, can just, you buy them online. I was going to say, you can just do a P.O. box and have the fans send you some of those. Yeah, I'm sure you I've seen some unique ones. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, you know. Um, actually, one last question before we go. This is from one of our moderators, Les, uh, who's just said, before Punk came back, I didn't really watch any weekly AEW or much wrestling in general, um, but I've really started to get into it. So I would like to spend some more of my free time this year watching old Dynamite shows and feuds that I've missed. Which period of Dynamite or AEW would you suggest I go back and watch? Just watch them all. Just watch them all. I mean, you know, it was really hard during the pandemic, um, you know, especially like the beginning of the pandemic with no audience and stuff. But just watch them all, man. You know, like just you'll follow storylines and you'll fall in love with some characters and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously the beginning, beginning of Dynamite was really cool because it was different, um, you know. And then Tony kind of took over completely, like right in the beginning of 2020. Uh, so you just you see a little bit of changes, but you know I just think everyone is authentic, as authentic as we can be, and you know if I had to say any period, the live fans being there really does make AEW what it is. Um, you know they're just a, the passionate fans. They like to sing. They like to just have a great time. They want to cheer. You know that's the one difference that I'll say between us and like Monday Night Raw. Like I watch Monday Night Raw. Those matches, some of them are amazing but they don't feel the same because the audience isn't into it because they're just, you know, what if, for whatever reason it is, maybe because they're not there for those amazing matches. You know what I mean? They're there for the storylines or whatever it is. Whereas AEW, you know, I think our fan base is there for those great matches and that's really what we try to give them every, every you know, every week. QT, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. And we really do appreciate it. Um, the floor is yours to plug away. Uh, is there anything you would like to promote? No, uh, no. Uh, promote, <laughs> promote revolution, obviously, all the AEW stuff. I'm a company guy, so just promote the company because um, that'll help promote me. I just always say this on all the interviews I do. If you like AEW and you genuinely believe in the stuff that we do and what we stand for, stop keeping it to yourself. Tell people. Don't just tweet about the negative stuff that you hate. Tell the people about the positive stuff. Tell your friends that used to watch wrestling that fell out of love with it. Hey, this is really cool. This is the wrestling that I used to love because that's really what we're trying to bring back. And it'll help grow our fan base. And then we'll be able to go tour all over the world and all of that stuff. Um, you know what I mean? And I think that's the biggest thing is that uh, wrestling fans, I'm a wrestling fan, right? And I know I don't just walk around with wrestling t-shirts anymore and tell everyone how, you know, I love wrestling, right? Because it's just not the cool thing to do. Um, but it's okay to tell people privately, you know, hey, you should really watch this with me. Hey, you know, let's talk about it the next day at work or something like that. You know, that's what used to be fun uh, Tuesdays at school to go in and talk about the Monday Night Wars and all this stuff. Nowadays, everyone's just on their phone on Twitter and hoping that they have and most of them have 20 followers. So it's like those people could really go out there. And on top of that, you'll have a much more satisfying life uh, by dealing with other human beings instead of just dealing with your cell phone. So and I know I sound like a really old person talking like that at 36, but it, it, it will help you personally, but also will help out AEW. And if you really care about AEW, that should be your goal. If we're presenting, you know, this amazing show to entertain you guys, you know, that's all that's all I could ask for. Um, you know, I don't know if that's the, 
the stuff everyone wants to hear. But at the end of the day, like I said, if it were me, I would, you know, if I could pick one thing for us to really talk about, it'd be tell everyone how much you love AEW, tell them to give it a chance. And like I said, most of the time, our success rate is pretty good that we keep our fans. Well, QT, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. We really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Uh, have fun at Rampage tonight. I'm you sure got it. Got some sure you got some words to say to uh, to young boy hook uh, that's right. very much looking forward to it uh thank you watch once the again. mjf promo i'm gonna watch it <laughs> while i do cardio i'm gonna watch it max i promise yeah. i'll watch it and i will text you my thoughts i mean it, it was real good um yeah, only imagine tweet him your thoughts you gotta tweet him your thoughts <laughs> After know, the Twitter talk, you too many steps i gotta go to the app store i gotta download <laughs> twitter it's just way too many steps <laughs> Yeah, we've got text messages for a reason. Exactly. Uh, thank you all so much for watching, everyone. Uh, Denise, actually, before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug before we uh, end off this show? Twitter and Instagram, at <laughs> underscore Denise Salcedo. I'm unfortunately oh, one of those Twitter-addicted people, but I agree with QT, though. we got to take time off of our phone. Completely right. agree. Denise, if you'll permit me, I'd like to have a bit of a rant. Go right ahead. So I'm going on holiday next week. I'm going up to uh, a dark sky resort. So it's one of those places where there's like no light pollution. So you can go there and you can do stargazing, stargazing and all this sort of stuff, right? And there's hot tubs and there's pools and all this sort of good stuff. You can go and like rent bikes and go for bike rides around the countryside. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, but I am. this is the first time going away as a parent. And that brings its own level of stresses. And Wait, with baby or without baby? With baby. Baby okay. is coming with us. Baby is coming with us. But that means there's a whole lot of stuff that we need to take with us. You know, prams and like travel cots and this, that and the other. And, you know, she is going through sleep regression, which means she is sleeping for about an hour a night. So we've got all these various different stresses going on. And it's a nine hour drive. So it's a big old, it's a big old journey, right? And... I decided, well, I say I decided, my father-in-law suggested that I get myself uh, a roof box so that I can like put it, you know, because we've only got quite a small car, so I can put the pram in there and all this sort of stuff, and we've got room for everything. And he gave me his roof box from his old car. And I was like, yeah, this is great. He said, all you need to do is get yourself some roof bars. I thought, how hard can that be? So I went on to Halfords, which is a car uh, place here in the UK, and I bought myself some roof bars. And it took a week to deliver and they arrived yesterday. And I got a call from Halfords that said, do you have these extra bits? And I said, no, I don't. And they're like, oh, okay, because this roof bar won't work unless you've got these extra bits. So my first question was, well, why aren't they all sold together? And he was like, well, because it's, you can customize it in this app. And I was like, okay, what bits do I need? And he said, you need these parts. And he gave me three, uh, two different product numbers. And I was like, cool. Do you have them? No, we don't. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. This is like 150 quid I've already spent on these roof bars. All I've, I've literally got are the bars themselves. I haven't got anything to actually attach it to the car. Oh, I see. Okay. You would have thought they would all come together, but apparently not. So luckily, Amazon did have them. So I bought them off of Amazon. So there's another 160 quid spent to get them delivered here. And I can set them up. And... It turns out, Denise, that I had to buy these two extra pieces because the part one of the set 
has bits in it that won't attach to the car unless you've got part two of the sets. And then it means you can then use part three of the sets. And then because it's Swedish and that's what, the, and this is how the Swedes do their things. I have to build it myself. It basically oh came as like a, it basically came as like a Lego set. No. And it was like, in, up until like in, up and, and including the fact that it gives you like this, you know, four of these little bumper things. And then you open up the book and it says, step one is to attach stickers to these things to let you know which side of the car it's supposed to go on. Like fr uh, left front, left, uh, left front, left back, left, you know, this and the other. I'm like, why am I putting the stickers on this? Can't yeah. you put the stickers on this and let me, I've then got to go to my car, work out which it's going to go and then put the sticker on. So regardless, like, you're still stuck doing the same thing you would have done with or without the stickers. So that's step one. And then I had to build the thing. And then I'm like the list, the instructions and it's just pictures with like no text instructions. And it's just like, yeah, do this. But like, it doesn't tell you what bit you need. And it took me a while no. to realize that the bit that I needed was in the other pack. And I eventually I get everything out and I put it all on my driveway and it's quite cold at the moment. I'm only out there in my hoodie and I'm grumpy. I'm real grumpy about all this. And then I realized that I've got bits for a roof bar that does not attach to my car. They only attach to BMW cars and I've got a Suzuki. And they didn't tell you that? They did not tell me that. No, so what are you going to do? Well, I don't know now. I just, <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to try and get everything, because I'm going away tomorrow. So I've just got to try and squeeze everything into my tiny Suzuki Swift, which is, it's going to be a tight old squeeze, but I'm, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to do this without the roof box. I was so mad. So, so mad at all of this. I'm sorry. I'm mad for you. That is sucks. <laughs> That's just one of those tedious things in life that like, it's, oh, I'm sorry for you, Luke. I don't even like, want to think about what that, that sounds well, my, terrible. My father-in-law just said, it was like, well, just get yourself some roof bars. I'm like, Kevin, that's what I'm trying. Like, that, that is what I'm trying to do. But they, I've got to buy it in three separate parts. Part A is in part two and I need to get, and I haven't got part two yet. And so I can't build this thing and I've got to build it myself. I mean, you're better off just getting a new car, a big giant. New <laughs> car. That's it. You're better uh, off it doing that. Actually would have just made more sense at this point. We have yes. talked about getting a new car and I wish we'd have talked about it sooner. You should just get a new car. That's it. Solve this problem. I'm going to get a big old Jeep. That's my plan. And I won't have to worry about a roof box or anything yes. like that. So anyway, that's, that's my little rant off the table. And I'm now feeling much better about it. Uh, Denise, how are you? How's your weekend shaping up? It's been pretty all right. You know, it's going to be a busy work week this weekend. I got two shows, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be a busy Saturday, but I got Sunday off. So I'm looking forward to that. <gasps> Sunday off for Denise Salcedo. Yeah. It doesn't Can't happen wait. often. <laughs> Yeah, can't wait. Awesome. Have you got anything coming up next week as well? Um, yeah. Wait, next week is Revolution, isn't it? Oh, God, it is. Are you going to Revolution? Yeah, I'll be in Revolution, and I'll be in Texas right before that. So I'll be in Texas, and then from there, I'm going right into Revolution. So just so we know, you're not going to be around next Friday show then? I don't remember. No, yeah, I will be here on Friday. Yeah, okay, I will, you be, will be here be on there Friday. Friday. Okay, so I'm it's leaving you... Saturday. So I'm leaving Saturday from L.A. to Texas. And then I'll be Saturday all day, Texas. And then Sunday morning, I leave to Orlando and I'll be in Orlando Sunday and Monday. And then Tuesday, I'll go from Orlando back to Texas, back to uh, Los Angeles. 
Wow, the busy life of Denise Alcedo. Do you need a roof box? Because I can help you out with one of those. I don't want uh, a roof box. <laughs> Screw the roof box. I rather I rather buy an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, you and I actually haven't done a show since our Smack Talk um, video yeah, that we did. Yeah, that was little really game. fun. Dude, it was so much fun, right? Yeah. I it can't great. wait. And there's had a really like good react, like good reception from everyone from it as well. Everyone really enjoyed it. People were like, we need to do more shows just like this. Like you need to have like a monthly thing. So I am doing a monthly thing now. Uh, I think up until like the next three months, so March, April, and May, I will have like a monthly uh, edition of that. I think people really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to the next one and we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> Uh, Denise, thank you so much for joining us as always. Uh, and I hope you have a lovely weekend. I hope you have a lovely week. Um, I'll miss you again next week when I'm off and I will. will but I'll what am I doing the show back. with next week? It's Team Panice. Team oh, Panice. Yeah, we're back. We were popular last time. I know. Yeah. I think the name helped. Yeah. Name did help. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone roots for Panice. It's what everyone needs in their life is more Team Panice. Exactly. Um, so, Denise, uh, have a lovely show with Pete next week. Uh, and I will see you in two weeks' time, um, just before... Oh, no, yeah, uh, after Revolution, we could talk about that. Oh, actually, do you know what? I'm going to ask you quickly. What did you make of the Cesaro news? Oh, yeah, in terms of the Cesaro news, good for him. You know what? His contract expired. He got out. Good for him. Good for him, indeed. That was going to be today's topic, and but we'd already delayed the QT interview by a week, and I was like, I feel really bad delaying it by another week. Yeah, so... exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Denise, awesome seeing you as always. I will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.